Hello, and welcome to Geek Between the Lines, the podcast that normally explores compelling themes in some of our favorite geeky properties. I'm Brittany. And I'm Chris. But this week, we are actually going to talk about The Cursed Child and what we think about it. Yeah, yeah. We thought that we'd have a little extra episode since you hadn't read it before, and Mm -hmm. this kind of... uh, definitely is an, an interesting take on the Harry Potter universe and so we thought that our fans might want to hear hear our thoughts on the book and or the play um, in book form the screenplay I suppose not to mention you'll also be traveling the next couple weeks so we wanted to put a few of these kind of special episodes in the bank while uh, yes. while you're gone so we will start out with a quote and this quote comes from kind of the middle of the play where Draco goes to Harry and Jenny and talks to them basically about Harry's ridiculous decision to say, I'm sorry, you can't be friends with your only friend, Albus. So you're going to have to make other friends because Scorpius is this dark cloud around you and he's dangerous and blah, blah, blah. (laughs) And Draco schools him a bit in parenting which I love and I think it goes into that conversation what he says which is insightful Mm -hmm. I think you have to make a choice at a certain point of the man you want to be and I tell you that at that time you need a parent or a friend and if you've learnt to hate your parent by then and you have no friends then you're all alone and being alone that's so hard I was alone and it sent me to a truly dark place for a long time. Tom Riddle was also a lonely child. You may not understand that, Harry, but I do. Yeah, I think that he has a very good point there, as well as, really, I think it kind of captures a lot of what the whole play is about. Agreed. I think think there's a really good kind of thesis for the play of this idea of... um, meaning to lean on the people who are around you as you make these big decisions. Mm-hmm. And, and really what can happen with loneliness mm-hmm. and, and not having strong friendships of people who are, who care about you and, and can have good influences on you and, and those types of things, which Draco didn't have, right? He, I mean, partially of his own making because he was terrible, mm-hmm. <laughs> but I think, I think Harry only was able to be as good as he turned out because of someone like Hermione there. Absolutely. To, to really push him and, and be kind of that moral compass a lot of times. Yeah. Well, and someone like Ron to be there to be by his side, you know, like, mm-hmm. especially in the early books. Ron, you know, before their fights and stuff get in the way, but Ron is just there with Harry and he doesn't feel isolated anymore, you know? Mm -hmm. Even though Ron at first kind of is like, wow, you're Harry Potter. Like, it very quickly becomes that it's Ron and Harry together, that they are, you know, that he has someone with him. He has someone who really allows him to become part of his family pretty quickly. And Mm -hmm. I think that having that makes it so that Harry, yeah, doesn't experience that loneliness that Draco experienced, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I think because Harry started out a very lonely child Mm -hmm. and without having that little group of three, I think, and then obviously later expanding to more people. Yeah, I think 
he could have turned out differently for sure and it would be very interesting to see what would have happened if he was placed in Slytherin just right off the bat. So yeah, absolutely. Um, and, and I mean, look at look at who in the original books Harry is the meanest to mm-hmm. would probably be Dudley. Not yeah. to say that Dudley isn't terrible to Harry, but mm-hmm. Harry is just mean to Dudley. Yeah, and that's the place where he's the loneliest. That's the place where he has no one, and so he strikes out. You know, mm-hmm. um, because he doesn't have anything else to do really he has no comfort there and so i think that 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 is you know it shows that idea where yeah when you're lonely it's much much harder for you to have that even for someone as 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 noble as harry can be and as giving as harry can be Mm -hmm. to be giving in that way he's not giving to the dursleys and he's got you know by the end of the series 17 years of reasons why not to be but Mm -hmm. still you know that that's not an area where he can feel that well and i I think, too, in the play, that it's not only loneliness in and of itself, but it's especially, I think, loneliness coupled with some sort of disapproval Mm. from either parent or community that really is difficult for for Albus and Scorpius. That's true. And I think also... You know, Draco, right? Mm. He was lonely and his father wasn't as impressed with him as he would, you know, want. Yeah, I I feel like definitely that disapproval helps to kind of do as Draco says, where like, if you hate your parents, you hate them because you don't have that relationship, because you feel that disappointment. You don't feel Mm -hmm. care. You don't feel support. You feel like you are not what they want of you. Um, And that makes it so that it's it's hard to to lean on them. Um, Because when I see this especially when talking about this as kind of a theme for the book as a whole, I think about Delphi, you know? I think exactly. about her as someone who grew up without community. You know, mm-hmm. obviously she didn't have her parents, mm-hmm. but she didn't have any friends either, you know, yeah. based off of... Um, so, so really, Voldemort's childhood was forced upon her in a similar way of having mm-hmm. no parents, having no friends. But um, then it seemed very much like the people who were kind of her surrogate parents were very disapproving of her too absolutely or or at least were um not kind to her in any way and so yeah she. well they were like straight up mean yeah well they were death eaters so i guess that doesn't surprise me what death eaters would be good parents (laughs) i know right (laughs) so yeah it's it's just i think a really interesting way of looking at these characters and i think that the ways that albus and scorpius um engage with that and engage with it in different ways is really really interesting to me too i think that mm-hmm. as you know obviously this is a shorter story than you can get with the books themselves but mm-hmm. we get to know albus and scorpius as the main characters and you do see a lot of kind of difference in the ways that they interact with their lives because mm-hmm. albus is so unhappy with the way his life has turned out and scorpius also has the unhappiness but he maintains a pretty positive outlook on yeah. things unlike albus's negative outlook yeah he definitely he ends up a much kinder human being mm-hmm. than albus is throughout mm-hmm. throughout the play and yeah which is which is very interesting mm-hmm. and, and you know i wonder how much of that is that even though he went through real hardship. Yeah, he you went know? through, from his, his de- start. His mother he, dying. His mother died. He has been told he's not his father's child. He doesn't believe his father believes in him or supports him, mm-hmm. you know. 
it's it's yeah it's and it's not even that he's told that he's not his father's child but he's told that he's Voldemort's yeah exactly which is something very different plus he also has the shame of hey my dad was technically a death eater Mm -hmm. and my grandfather was very much a happy death eater absolutely so he has so much more against him than Albus does Mm -hmm. where sometimes I felt Albus was just being a kind of bratty little kid totally and i and i like that scorpius <laughs> does finally call him out on it and so, then albus yeah. apologizes albus sees like yes mm-hmm. i've been a terrible friend which I, I really appreciate um because you look at the fights that ron and harry have and they don't have that immediate apology typically yeah and it's like a few weeks later maybe <laughs> maybe exactly um yeah so let's uh let's 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 go to a positive note what was something that you really liked about the cursed child well that's funny i was gonna say we should start with the negatives and then end <laughs> on the positives okay we can do that if you'd like <laughs> um well then what's one of the negative things that you saw from the book oh there's so many there are a lot i'm yeah. trying to choose Okay, so one of the things that bugged me the most is that Hermione is not as amazing and competent and just above everybody else than she always has been. Mm-hmm. Like like that she always has been throughout the the rest of the series. And I'm just like, what is happening? She would have this time turner so inaccessible Mm -hmm. that it was just almost impossible for anyone to be able to do it you know Mm -hmm. and so i think that that was such a flaw (laughs) that she she she's so ridiculously capable and book hermione 19 years previous (laughs) would have done a better job Mm -hmm. which yeah i was just like hmm no, that's that's not my Hermione. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I agree. I, I love that she's Minister for Magic. Oh, totally. But I definitely think that she I would like she to see not, why. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. We know why from the book, the, mm-hmm. the other books, but she's not that co- as competent as she needs to be. Here. And similarly, we don't see enough of the good changes to Wizarding Society that her being Minister has made, you know? Yeah. Um, we see so much kind of what if scenarios about mm-hmm. how things would be different if, you know, after with the time travel, but we don't see the actual baseline change of what it is compared to the books that we read 19 years pre- previously. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Another qualm that I have with it is that Luna Lovegood is nowhere That's to true. be seen. And obviously they should have stayed good friends with her (laughs) Mm -hmm. so that's annoying yeah what do you think luna would be doing 20 years later i mean probably running the quibbler i could see that (laughs) for sure um i could see her also kind of like a newt scamander hmm. like researching different magical creatures (laughs) and properties since she was super into that Mm -hmm. with her dad's paper so Yeah. yeah Well, one of the the issues that I have, which I definitely think is one of the, one of the big criticisms that is levied against the story as a whole, is the way that that time travel is used in it. Yes. Because for me, it breaks the tenets of time travel that are established in Prisoner of Azkaban. Mm-hmm. Um, where in Prisoner of Azkaban, it's much more like t- time is changeable, but it 
it's also um, it's not linear, you know, so that when you go back and change something, you've already gone back and changed it before you even start, right? Yeah. So that, you know, Harry already saved them from the Dementors before they ever traveled back in time in the narrative, right? Yeah, exactly. Um, whereas in this version, you go back and you're creating a new timeline, you know? Mm-hmm. And so if that was the case for the first, in book three, then Harry would never have been saved in order to go back. You know, yeah. because there was no timeline where he could have done so. He would have been kissed. And so he could not have made a new timeline where he wasn't. Mm-hmm. And so it's just a very, like, different way of doing it. And I, you know, I'm super geeky, so I've obviously read a few different time travel type books. And, like, I liked that um, they use here not the, in book three, not the, you know, multiple universe, multiple timeline style of time mm-hmm. travel. I like that. It's just like you time travel and you change things and you've already changed things once it's been changed, you know, like, um, there is one timeline that has already had all these different effects. And just because we see time linearly doesn't mean that actions don't af- uh, have to affect each other's linearly, mm-hmm. you know, Absolutely. um, obviously there's paradoxes abound in both ways and any other mm-hmm. way of time travel existing, but what? There's paradoxes? <laughs> yes, indeed. Not when I've time traveled. <laughs> but I, I think that it's just a problem because it contradicts what has been established already in the canon. Yeah, and you could say, oh, well, this is a different type of time turner, so mm-hmm. it does something differently. But they never even tried to say that. Right. You know? Or even, like, giving it a But a, even a so, doc- it shouldn't do that. Yeah, or giving it a Doctor Who timey-wimey, wibbly-wobbly, like, things are different at different times. Like, that goes Mm -hmm. into the canon of Doctor Who. Like, it's set up that way, where sometimes you travel back in time and it changes everything, sometimes you do, and it doesn't, you know? That's just, like, the the Mm -hmm. mysteries of time travel. They don't say anything about that here. It's just, you go back and it creates a new timeline. Like, they Mm -hmm. establish this new canon, and that's just not, I think... Yeah, they need to do more world-building to make that work, especially since it's different from the way that time travel's worked in the past. Yeah. I completely agree. And I agree with that criticism for sure. But also another criticism that I have with how they did time travel was how some of the characters changed because of events that changed. Mm -hmm. And so again, we'll go with Hermione first because she's the best. Mm -hmm. And for her to be a mean teacher is just not Hermione. Like, I don't care. It's like, oh, I I didn't get the guy that I wanted, so now I'm going to be, like, all bitter and mean. Like, that's a, a criticism that we have of Snape, even though Snape goes through so much worse than that, right? Mm-hmm. But still, you do not abuse children. Exactly. Like, so that was just ridiculous to me the one where she is this rebel that fit very well with her I totally think. but also cedric becoming a death eater was just like no possible way that would ever happen like it undoes everything about his character that oh well he was humiliated mm-hmm. so like maybe the only way i could see him becoming a death eater was if people would like if Voldemort and Death Eaters would kill people that he was loyal to, mm-hmm. right? Then at least you would keep in trend with Hufflepuff House and and things. But but we don't like, we don't see any of that. I remember even exactly. when, when we were reading it together, it's just like 
Scorpius all of a sudden starts saying, Cedric Diggory was a Death Eater. And it's like, wait, mm-hmm. where did we learn that? And he yeah. learns it off screen, basically. And so we're just understanding, oh, Cedric Diggory was a Death Eater because he was humiliated, I guess. like Yeah, because he was humiliated. And then he went and killed Neville. Yeah. Like, when, like, no. That this, no. There's no way. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so definitely agree that, that and, and, and I think it's offensive to Hermione to say that just because she doesn't have Ron, she becomes, you know, this, this bitter, mean person when she is such a compassionate character. Right? Like, I think that, that she it's has... It's offensive to Hermione that she does have Ron, mm-hmm. that she chooses him, <laughs> And that she wants him on all timelines. Mm-hmm. It's like, offensive to me that she doesn't want me. <laughs> like, I, I think that, that Hermione for sure has some faults that you can then bring out from her, you mm-hmm. know? Like, her propensity to care only about, like, um, what she thinks is right, for example, mm-hmm. you know? And not be as open to other perspectives. I think that's something that, sure, Ron... I relate to I, her so well. I, <laughs> do you have that? I've never noticed that. Um, I think that's something that, that, you know, they could have shown her not having that or having less of that because she's not with Ron. Makes mm-hmm. sense to me. Ron is the opposite. Ron is definitely mm-hmm. open. He could bring that out in her and help her move in that direction. And her not having that, she could be, you know, a teacher who is maybe not understanding. But not just straight out mean and yeah. rude. That would not be the case. Like, sorry, mm-hmm. no. Not a thing. Yeah. She could be stern like McGonagall, mm-hmm. but not like, not mean. Exactly. Well, what about some good things? What, what did you like about the cursed child. Well, okay, I have to talk about another thing first. Okay. Sorry. <laughs> we'll get to them eventually, maybe. <laughs> I have a big problem that Voldemort has a child. Okay. Because I don't think Voldemort is interested in that hmm. at all. I don't think Voldemort would want to have an heir. Mm. He doesn't need one. He's not planning on dying. He has all these horcruxes. He doesn't want anyone to have be any part of his legacy he wants it to be his legacy and his legacy alone i don't think he even wants a legacy he wants to be immortal he never wants to die like legacy is something that follows after you and he doesn't want that and so for him he wants to be an ultimate power for the rest of time he doesn't care about family he doesn't care about successors he doesn't have any affection for anyone Mm. so like there is absolutely no reason he would have a child unless you want to argue that like it was an accidental child but also i just can't imagine him being sexual at all like that just seems like something that he would view as beneath him and that like no one could even be worthy of his touch you know like that is I think his attitude towards everything, he's so superior. So. And I don't think that he would ever succumb to those kinds of like, quote unquote, needs, you know? Oh, exactly. He's just so above and transcended all of that. And I don't even know if his reconstructed semi-human self has any of that capability. Right, yeah. And yeah, it just, it seems like something... Like, the thing that would turn him on the most is himself. Mm-hmm. Like, that's all he cares about. Maybe he had Bellatrix take Polyjuice Potion with him. <laughs> in- 
<laughs> oh no, he wouldn't let anybody else take That's his form. True. That's true. That's <laughs> true. <laughs> that would that would maybe be a thought that would come across his mind. Yeah. But then he'd be like, yeah, right. Unless there's some like non like there's some magical way of like non intercourse way mm-hmm. that he could do that. Which I'm sure I there is. See, but... but like still he would not want a child. There's right. just nothing about that that he would ever want. So I have a big problem with that. I, I'm with you on there. Yeah. Well, turning away from that before we fall down a <laughs> rabbit hole of magical sexual <laughs> fetishes, fetishes, <laughs> techniques, special things that they have. What the spells would be named. Exactly. No, no, we, we don't want to go there. This is a, uh, a family friendly podcast. Um, but uh, do you have any other complaints that you want to talk about? I think, I think I'm good for now. Okay, okay. I mean, there's definitely s- some hard ones, like like McGonagall, I think, it d- isn't my McGonagall, you know, the way that she... I think she's close, though, so I don't have as much criticism. Right. Um, the fact that Neville isn't actually shown on the page yeah. is a bummer. Um, so there's definitely some, some other issues. The fact that there's no main female character um, other than the antagonist, you know? Yeah. Like, I think is, is a bummer. So the the idea of the plan as a whole being let's go back to the tasks in there to make it so that Cedric Degree didn't go, like, I don't entirely understand how that's going to help Delphi. So it's an imperfect play in, in many, mm-hmm. many ways. Um, but I think there are some strengths. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And so one of the strengths that I find in it um, is the representation of Slytherin House. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that Absolutely. it's really great to see Slytherin House, like ant- protagonists in Slytherin House mm-hmm. with mean students in the other houses. Absolutely. Like when yeah. Albus is a Gryffindor, that's when he's surrounded by terrible people and like, mm-hmm. and he's unhappy, you know? Like Slytherin at least has Scorpius and I think that's mm-hmm. really, really cool and it's about time that we saw protagonists within Slytherin beyond, you know, Draco and Snape. Yes who are protagonist-ish. Exactly, right? <laughs> um, so that was one of the things that I, I enjoyed about the book. Absolutely. I agree. And I think another thing I really enjoyed was Snape in that alternative. Absolutely. I thought that was really cool and made me happy that, yeah, he was still a part of this resistance and partnered with two students that he had a lot of problem with Mm -hmm. you know and during the books and he still kept his snide demeanor but was still obviously full in support of them and like helping them and the fact that he was completely willing to go to have them go back and even though he knew he was going to be killed Mm -hmm. and he was okay with that because he was just like well that okay like if this is going to bring about the fall of Voldemort then that's what has to happen and the fact that in that scenario he protected Scorpius and got the Dementor's kiss, you know, mm-hmm. I think. I think that was really cool because there, those were things that you hoped Snape would kind of change to. 
and and become a better person because you saw some good qualities in him you saw some terrible qualities in him and and there would always be this hope that he would be better mm. and so it's cool to see that yeah it really is cathartic to see snape as a hero you know mm-hmm. like throughout the books even when you go back and reread them and you can see things through a different lens you can under you see that he's portrayed at best ambiguously mm-hmm. you know and it's not until after the character dies that you see the heroic aspects of the character you mm-hmm. know so you never actually see him just working as a hero yeah. until the cursed child mm-hmm. and that is really really great to see you know it is mm-hmm. you know he is as you mentioned before one of the most compelling characters um in in the series and i think in many series and here seeing him be able to take this part is just yeah really really great to see yeah and i think in the same vein seeing draco where he's not perfect mm-hmm. but seeing him be a better parent to his kid than harry is right like seeing that where he is trying tirelessly like to appeal for the ministry to put out a a statement because he sees his kid being bullied and he hates it mm-hmm. and and he really tries and when his wife dies the only thing he asks when Ginny writes to him is like, do this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, that that's what I want. Like, that's how you can help. And so, and even though he, of course he wouldn't be a big fan of his kid being best friends with a Potter, right? <laughs> right? But he puts that aside because mm-hmm. he realizes that that makes his son happier. Mm-hmm. And, and he's grateful that he does have at least one friend. And so I think seeing Draco really step into, like, a wiser person is is really good, too. Yeah. And I, I did like in, in the play that Ron does call him out on his treatment of Hermione. Of, like, you've said these things to her, mm-hmm. so I'm not just going to be all yay about you, even if we're working with you to, like, do this thing. For and sure. I was sad that he didn't apologize for it because I thought that would have been good to happen. But I think the fact that he does seem to respect Hermione and that he threw his lot in with her Mm -hmm. uh, when she was getting scrutiny by the ministry for obviously having this whole problem come out. Yeah, yeah, agreed. Meant something. Um, another thing I liked in it was I just liked the character of Scorpius. He's the best. He's really charming. He's really fun. So cute. I like him a lot. Yeah. No, I loved him. Okay. We'll go back to negatives. Okay. Scorpius and Albus totally are a thing. Yeah. Like, why do you not finally have, like, sexual orientation representation? Mm -hmm. Because... First of all, you should have in the past, but now is the time to help rectify that. Mm -hmm. And you have these two characters where it's so there. They have so much chemistry. Right? And they just didn't do that. Mm -hmm. And there was no reason for Scorpius to like Rose. She didn't treat him well. Mm -hmm. And they had such a close friendship that, yeah, 
they, that just should have been a thing. Agreed. Yeah. But I do think that their friendship is really, really interesting. I, I would have loved mm-hmm. to see it as something more, but I think that it's it's a really, like I was kind of talking about earlier, a really well interest, well-written friendship that, that they have. And I like that the idea of what the cursed child is is fairly ambiguous you know no one has mm-hmm. said like this is for sure the cursed child because we see how scorpius and albus and delphi can all be considered the cursed child and even harry i think is called cursed at one point you know like mm-hmm. there are all these elements of these people who have had curses placed upon them through their families and through society and through mm-hmm. all these kinds of things that they have to deal with and how that can negatively impact their lives in mm-hmm. different ways um i, I think it's, it's actually pretty uh pretty interesting yeah for sure i also did like the fact that delphi was so powerful mm. like i think she almost seems more powerful than voldemort hmm. like She's much younger mm-hmm. than him when he rose to power, and she could just do all of this magic without even a wand, and you know all of these things. And so I did appreciate that having a strong female wizard there. Yeah. Since uh, Hermione wasn't, I'm like, <laughs> please just have Hermione go out there and duel like for <laughs> two seconds, and and this will be done. But. <laughs> Yeah, I did think like totally agree with your point about it breaking the world and going back on what what they had set up. But I did find some of that interesting, right? To especially the different timelines. Yeah, to totally. to see what things would might have been like if Voldemort had won, and yeah, that Umbridge would be the headmaster mm-hmm. of Hogwarts and the types of things that would happen. I thought. Uh, was was fun and interesting because it just you know it doesn't happen so it can just be fascinating mm-hmm. yeah no i i absolutely agree i think that those those were very interesting i think that that they do kind of make me feel like the kind of joking description that that i've seen online and that i definitely think fits the book of of it being fan fiction written by <laughs> jk rowling kind of fits because it's very yeah. much this like what if scenarios and and things like that but i also find those really interesting it's something i've always really loved about like comic books and all these other kind of things where it's like you look at how one thing may have changed society um i wish that they had done more with a lot of it you know mm-hmm. i think that they, they were so simple um a lot of the, the changes that they're having but i do really like the concepts behind it mm-hmm. and i think that to if you actually saw this play instead of just read it, it would be really interesting just with all of the effects and things that yeah. it says are there. That's the one thing that I definitely wanted to say is that we have only read the book and mm-hmm. I am sure that on stage it is, uh, it's really much more impressive. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I read it out loud playing every character and mm-hmm. so um, I certainly don't have these lines memorized. I don't have a character in mind for each of them and a character choices in mind for each line. So, you know, there's probably a lot that we missed or that we would see additionally if we saw it live. Um, we actually did see a production of 19 Years Later, which is mm-hmm. like a satire on the Cursed Child. Uh, which is at- really more just... A fan fiction of, of the, the fan fiction. Child. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, kind of a re- retelling of The Cursed Child, hitting a lot of the same story beats essentially without the time turner aspect mm-hmm. and making Rose a bigger character, I think are the two big differences. Well, I mean, Voldemort's 
not there at all, right? So it's like... Right, but Voldemort's not in this at all either. I mean, like, that isn't a driving part of the plot at all. But it has the same main characters Mm -hmm. and... The same same beats within the families and things Mm -hmm. like that. So, yeah, yeah, that was part of the Hollywood Fringe Festival. um, And it was was pretty good. And I I definitely... It was fun. Got a lot... I mean, it was a, a, you know, not a effects heavy or, Mm -hmm. you know... Um, big set kind of production but it was really really fun and really great to see the the performances you know mm-hmm. and so scorpius was great he did the best. such a great job <laughs> yeah. uh, but just generally I, I think that 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 made me more interested than in, in seeing the, the stage production as well um mm-hmm. because i think that that we i gained a lot from that um, I would highly suggest if anyone has that a performance of that going into your your local area to check it out because I think it, mm-hmm. it it also adds a lot of really great things to to the story um, mm-hmm. that, that I really enjoy. Yeah, one of which was that not, not to give spoilers. any spoilers. Yeah, but that Neville was an actual character. Yeah, and you got to see him a bit more, which is really fun. Agreed. Yeah. All right. Well, any any last thoughts on Harry Potter and the Cursed Child? Yeah, I think my final thoughts would be actually on our Instagram, one of our followers, Elle Stepsis, she mentioned that she had mixed feelings about the show uh, or the the play, but mainly loved having more time with the characters. Mm. And I think that, yeah, I think that that sums it up well, that there are issues, there are strong points, but a part of it was just really fun to be in that world again with something new. I absolutely agree. It's similar to how I feel about Solo. Like, this mm-hmm. is not the most amazing representation of Han Solo and Lando and all these characters that you could find, but I'm just glad that they're making movies about these characters that I love and about this universe that I enjoy. And mm-hmm. if it's not amazing, that's okay. It's not, like, a slight because it's still more than would have existed if it didn't exist at all. So. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. That's a nice way to to end out the episode. Um, So we'll wrap it up there. Well, thanks for listening to this week's episode of Geek Between the Lines. You can find us on social media by searching for Geek Between the Lines on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, or Pinterest. You can also go to our website, bit.ly slash geekbetweenthelines, or go to our Patreon site at patreon.com slash geekbetweenthelines. And feel free to talk with a friend, and, and, and word of mouth really, really helps us to get new listeners. We've already gotten a few new listeners through just people telling their friends that they like to listen, so that's that's really appreciated as well. We also want to thank Kimberly Taylor-Pastel at Lacelet for designing our logo. You can find her designs at lacelet.com or searching for Lacelet on Facebook or Instagram. With that, we'll see you next week. Until then, geek, geek out! out.